This is Kick-Ass Politics. I'm Ben Mathis. Hey folks, we're doing a new crowdfunding campaign at patreon.com backslash kickasspolitics. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. With Patreon, you can pledge a certain amount each month, and in return for helping to sustain the show, you're going to get some great new benefits like back episodes, exclusive content, show merchandise, shoutouts on the podcast, video hangouts, invitations to live events, and more. Again, go to patreon.com backslash kickasspolitics. Thanks for your support, and thanks for continuing to listen. And now, enjoy the podcast. Hi. I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to Kick-Ass Politics. My guest today is one of the biggest personalities on the right and a giant in talk radio and new media. He's Glenn Beck, host of the Glenn Beck Program, the third highest-rated talk radio show in America, and the founder of The Blaze TV, one of the world's largest streaming video networks. But the path to becoming a media mogul and conservative icon wasn't always easy for Glenn Beck. He began his career in radio at age 13 and worked as a top 40 DJ at radio stations in markets like Baltimore, Phoenix, and Houston until at age 30 he became consumed by alcoholism and drug addiction. It was the impetus for a radical change in Glenn Beck's life. He sobered up, found religion, and embarked on a different kind of radio career as a talk radio host. Just 18 months later, the Premier Radio Network took his show national in 2002, and he quickly went from being syndicated in 47 stations to 400 stations across America. In 2006, Glenn Beck hosted a nightly TV show on CNN Headline News before embarking on a two-and-a-half-year stint as host of The Glenn Beck Show on Fox News, which averaged 2 million viewers a night. After leaving Fox, Beck founded The Blaze, a news and entertainment network which is available on Dish Network and a hundred different television outlets and has over a quarter million internet subscribers and reaches over eight million people every month. His nationally syndicated radio program has over seven million listeners a week and he's received the National Association of Broadcasters Marconi Award for Network and Syndicated Personality of the Year. Glenn Beck is the author of seven number one New York Times bestsellers and one of only a handful of authors in the history of publishing to have reached number one on the New York Times list for both fiction and nonfiction. He frequently tours the country with his live show that's been attended by over 300,000 people, in addition to his Restoring Honor rally in 2010, which drew hundreds of thousands of people to the National Mall in Washington, D.C., Today, Glenn and I will talk about how his hero Orson Welles inspired him to leave Fox News and pioneer digital streaming media with his network The Blaze. He talks about the need for conservatives to get better at digital media and messaging. He expresses his worries over recent cases of the self-proclaimed militiamen taking the law into their own hands. He reiterates his gravest concerns about Donald Trump and he makes an impassioned plea for GOP delegates to vote their conscience at the upcoming convention. Glenn Beck also discusses why he will most likely be voting for the Libertarian candidate for president, and he makes the case for the Libertarian approach to federal government, drugs, and foreign entanglements. 
Coming up with the Blazes Glenn Beck in just a moment. To Washington, it's time for Kick-Ass Politics. And now here's your host, Ben Mathis. Today I'm delighted to be joined by the host of the Glenn Beck radio program and the founder of The Blaze, Glenn Beck. Glenn, How thanks for sitting down with me. You I'm bet. great. How are you? I'm very good. Welcome very good. to California. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm sorry it's so hot here. Not compared to Texas. Yeah. I believe that the ones of us, those of us from Texas are wearing yeah. a coat. Well, I'm so glad to sit down with you. You know, Penn Jillette says that you're an okay guy. So if that Penn Jillette says indeed. that you're an okay guy, yeah. then uh, I know that you must be all right. Yeah, so. praise indeed from him. And, He's a good man. And I've always enjoyed your show. Uh, you started The Blaze in about 2011 after you left Fox News. Yeah. I'm assuming that you probably could have gone back to CNN or to other major networks. Why did you decide to strike off on your own and start the blaze? Because I think the, I mean, I think it's still a bit early, but it, the outlines are becoming very, very clear. Where they weren't in 2010 and 11, we actually started in 10, laying the groundwork. Okay. But uh, the groundwork, but we announced in 11 and started in 11, um, and it was pretty nuts to do what we did then. Yeah. But now you're seeing. You know, the world is going towards Netflix, Amazon, uh, yeah. Hulu, all of that stuff. It's, it's, it's not with the networks. And that, yeah. you know, while they have a lot of power now, that's not the future. Do you think that, like, on the right, we've been a little slow to be early adopters of the oh, new yeah. technology oh, yeah. and on demand? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we are behind on anything in the story um, um, realm, telling a good story, Delivering a good story, the right stinks. You know, we yeah. really stink. <laughs> you know, we have great intellectual yeah. arguments, but yeah. telling the story, reaching people where they live, reaching people's heart—we're horrible, horrible. Yeah, I feel like on the right, I've had this conversation with a number of political gurus and campaign people over the years. It's like they say, "Well, it's the left side to." You know, to appeal to the heart and the emotional side, and they almost poo-poo it. And I'm like, no, no, no. If you no. want to reach people, you got to hit them right I mean, here in the heart. You can't just we, appeal to we, their intellect. I don't even understand that. If <laughs> conservatives understand, um, uh, as everybody does, but one of the things that we really focus on is the family. Yeah, you're not going to reach for the heart. That, what is a family besides the heart? That's what binds us together. That's yeah. what stops us from uh, making ground because people think, well, you hate people that, you know, that aren't working or whatever. No, I, no, I don't. I've been there. I know what it is. And if you don't reach people's heart, you look like you have none. And that's exactly where they've painted us. Your hero is Orson Welles. Well, one of them. One of them. Okay. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest, one that you speak about a lot. Um, in fact, you even named your company mm. Mercury Radio Arts yeah. after Wells's Mercury Theater. What is it that you admired about Orson Welles and maybe that you're even trying to emulate in no, what I you're think, doing I'm, here? I'm, Orson Welles uh, was my hero at eight years old. Um, I knew I wanted to get into radio. My, my mother had told me about radio when I was seven. For my eighth birthday, she gave me a, an LP, The War of the Worlds. 
And I listened to that. And then I listened to his work on The Shadow. And I was just amazed at how, you know, this is at the time of really crappy top 40 radio. <laughs> and, uh, and nobody was doing that. Nobody was telling a great story like that on radio. Yeah. So I'd never, it opened my mind entirely to a new kind of medium. I loved it more than television. Because really? my, my m- everybody's, everybody's imagination is far, uh, far more vivid than anything on television or anything a movie studio can create. So I knew what I wanted to do because of him. I loved the way he used radio. I loved the way he, he used the inflection of his voice. So he in, influenced me on how to tell a good story. But later, as I'm, you know, now in my 20s or mid-teens, 20s, I'm fascinated by his time uh, doing Citizen Kane. And if you really understand Citizen Kane, there's so much you can learn from Orson Welles. When he was getting ready to do that, um, he was walking down the streets of New York with John Houston, his partner. And they're walking down the streets of New York, and... Orson was number one at theater box office. He was number one on the radio. He, yeah. he, was, he was the wunderkind. He was the man. And he's not even 30 yet. CBS wanted him to do another show like The Shadow. And, and he would come into a studio, a radio studio, literally five minutes before, hadn't read the script. And he would say, okay, what am I this time? You are an 80-year-old man, Germany. It's, it's uh, right before the, uh, uh, the First World War, right after the First World War. And now this is happening, and you're angry about this. Got it. Everybody around him knew if he decides to change the script on the fly, you just follow him. And he would create these things on the fly, and they were amazing. So everybody wanted him in radio because he was so good. Well, he's walking down the street, and he's got a Broadway show at the Mercury Theater, and, um, and that's playing, and they want him to do a radio show at 5 o'clock on Saturdays. Well, that's right between the two shows. That's downtown New York, and back in those days, that's forever, okay? <laughs> yeah. And so John says, you know, they want you to do this. He said, but you can't do it. And he says, why can't I do it? And he said, because, because Orson, you have to be at the theater. And he said, but I can do that. And he said, I can't get you there and back in time. Just then, an ambulance went down the street, and the siren was on. And he looked at John and he said, find out if you need to be sick to ride in one of those. Well, you didn't. (laughs) So they would back an ambulance up to the theater. So what I learned from him, one of the things was never give up. There's always a way. Never say no. There's always a way to get it done and to do it with quality. His team created things that nobody could, nobody has surpassed yeah. Citizen Kane. Nobody has surpassed the vision and the, the technological leap that that made. Yeah. And so I really love that. first time director. Correct, correct. <laughs> and I, I loved that. I loved the way that he, he beat the system. He knew, nobody wanted to give him all of that control, but he had it in his contract. But he knew, if I fall behind on budget or time, they're going to come in and they're going to start telling me what to do. So unbeknownst, unbeknownst to the studios, he went in and he rehearsed his whole cast. He rehearsed the, uh, the, the, the photographers, the oh, cinematographers, at his home for the week before. And they got the first day shooting you know, down like Pat. So the studio head said to Orson, 
or said to his aide, he was in a meeting, and he said, you tell me the second they start falling behind. Guy comes in literally an hour into the day, and he said, they're behind already? And he said, no, sir, they're already on day number two. <laughs> that was the end. He got his control. He yeah. knew what he had to do. The That's flips, something to aspire to, I'm sure. It is. The flip side of that is I also learned from him what not to do. Yeah. When Citizen Kane failed... He couldn't let it go. Uh, he could yeah, never, it, yeah. it drove him to distraction, and yeah. he could never let it go. He worked his whole life to right that wrong. Yeah. And so what I also learned from him is, let it go. Let it go. Yeah, because yeah, he always had a chip on his shoulder. He yeah. felt that he had been slighted and cheated by the system and, and the studio. And if he hadn't have he done that. he was still successful right. for years after that. He right. was still hanging on to that. But imagine yeah. if Orson Welles would live in our time today. Yeah. Because he is, oh he's the guy of the independent film. Yeah. Imagine without the distribution worries or the yeah. studio worries, what a guy like that could do today. And there's yeah. another Orson Welles out there. Yeah, I'm sure there is. Well, where do you see the blaze down the road, say five, ten years from now? We are going to launch uh, Blaze 2.0 this fall. Okay. And uh, I can't say much about it, but it is okay. a totally, uh, it's a totally different approach to yeah. what we're doing now. It won't be uh, the same. Uh, we believe when we first launched, um, we were revolutionary. Um, you know, we won the Tribeca Film Festival Disruptor of the Year Award um, because we disrupted what was going on. Yeah. Probably not a lot of conservatives get handed awards no, at, at the Tribeca, Tribeca Film no. Festival. But yeah. then uh, I often say to my staff, I haven't earned that award yeah. a day since. This year we will. This yeah. year we are going to disrupt again, and awesome. uh, I'll answer that question once that's out. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's talk politics a little bit. I don't know if you find it perhaps telling about this election that you are now suddenly considered the voice of reason on the right and the cool head <laughs> among conservatives. I don't know. Am I? <laughs> I think you are. Honestly, in this environment, I think you are. And one of the things that really gave me a lot of respect for you was when things went down in Nevada with Cliven Bundy and with the Oregon standoff, you were one of the few people on the right who were saying to the militiamen and the people who were out there with their guns, maybe just back off a little bit because the danger is someone's going to get hurt here. And sure enough, you were right. Yeah, and it will spiral out of yeah. you. We have to learn from Martin Luther King, not Malcolm X. We have to learn from Gandhi. It, it yeah. doesn't work the other way, especially when, when everyone wants you to fail. They will, right. You put a gun, you, you're seen with a sniper rifle on the back of a, uh, you know, an FBI guy or, you know, yeah. a, a federal agent. You lose. Yeah. You lose. And again, you, you might win the intellectual war, but if you lose the war of the heart, you're done. You're done. Yeah. And, uh, and I agree I, with what they were saying. I agree right. with what they were standing right. for. But there's, it seems that there has to be a better... Place to have that argument. I mean, we do have recourse. This is yes. still is America. There, we yes. have a, I think, still a respectable legal yes. system. You know, there are ways to yes. have these arguments. It's getting worse and, and worse. Yeah. But if we are, if we're smart, we'll be able to yeah. make a difference. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back to talk more with Glenn Beck. We'll be back in just a moment. If you're interested in my conversation with Glenn Beck, then check out any of his best-selling books, including his most recent one, 
called It Is About Islam, exposing the truth about ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Iran, and the Caliphate. And right now, you can download the audio version of his book for free with a special promotion just for our listeners from audible.com. Just go to audibletrial.com backslash kickasspolitics for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook download, which can be any of the number one bestsellers by my guest today, Glenn Beck, or any of Audible's 180,000 titles. That's audibletrial.com backslash kickasspolitics. Or click on the sponsor link on our webpage to download the free audiobook of your choice. Also, I'd encourage you to check out TheBlaze.com for all kinds of great content such as podcasts, news, and articles from Glenn Beck and others. And if you like what you see, then click on the subscribe button for a free 14-day trial to The Blaze TV, which will give you access to all kinds of streaming shows, including Glenn Beck's daily television show, and TV shows from other hosts like my previous guest, Dana Lash. Just go to TheBlaze.com and click subscribe for your free 14-day trial to The Blaze TV. And now back to more with Glenn Beck. For the longest time throughout the GOP primary, you have been pretty vehemently anti-Trump and have said that you didn't think he was a very good representative of conservative values. You've or now any values. Or any values. <laughs> you have now said that it's time to rally around the nominee. No, no, no. Oh, you haven't? Okay. No, I, I have was, not. Okay. No, I okay. have not. Okay, it's not time to... Okay, I, I thought that no. you... I, everyone... Well, then the media is misreporting it. They're saying that you uh, no. are toning it down and saying... No, uh, here's that what I am we're, saying. We're going to have to accept this as our nominee. Here's what I am saying. Um, you can't break your own rules. Right. So the GOP caused this. Yeah. The GOP could have ended this easily. Yeah. Um, they, they, they were stupid, foolish, deaf, blind, yeah. and dumb. Yeah. And so they've caused this. I've been saying for, uh, I've been saying for about almost eight years that this was going to happen. A guy right. like this was going. I honestly thought it would come from the left, but it came from the right. Yeah. A guy like this is going to come up, and. So the GOP set the rules. They got it. They didn't want it. They didn't. They didn't throw in the towel and say, "Hey, hey, hey, let's go with a constitutionalist." They just mm -hmm. thought they could control him. Yeah. Now that they realize they can't, what are you going to change the rules? How are you going to change the rules yeah. without burning Cleveland down to the ground? Right. Personally, I want everybody who is. I want everyone to vote their conscience. You're talking now, about the, the, the delegates. delegates who will if be at that, the convention. If that means that um, uh, you are for Trump, then vote your conscience for Trump. If it means no, no. But don't have pack thinking. Yeah. Each of us have been, as individuals have to make that decision. Unfortunately, you also have to play by the Republican rules. Right. Other than that, I'm not for Trump. Okay. I won't vote for him, and I don't recommend people do. I, I so, recommend people look at who he is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And if he's the nominee, then will you just not no, vote, I'll, or what I'll do you think you'll do? No, probably vote Libertarian. Okay, Gary yeah. Johnson. Yeah, all right. I'm not fair a, enough. But I'm, you are I, a Libertarian-leaning conservative, are you not? No, or I how think would I'm you actually. Describe yourself? I think I am a Libertarian. Okay. Um, I describe myself as a Libertarian, but I, but I. Um, I would describe myself as an anti-progressive libertarian, meaning this. Okay. 
the progressives didn't, they knew that in, in 1912 that to get their socialist programs, uh, they would either have blood on the streets and revolution, or they would get it piece by piece slowly, okay? What they decided is revolution is bad. And so we have to change things. We have to start educating people into our philosophy. We have to start moving it piece by piece and progressive, get in progressive steps, we'll get there. Well, 100 years later, they're there. We don't have any long-term strategy. That's our problem. Right. We pay, play for the next two years or four years. We need a 100-year plan. Yeah, like the Chinese. Like the Chinese. <laughs> and what we need to do is reverse the progressivism. So in other words, I am, I am I'm against the war on drugs. I'm for legalization. Okay. Of oh, you drugs. are. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But here is where my problem is. If you say I want to legalize drugs, you haven't cured one really bad problem, and that is the people who believe that it is the government's job or anyone is able to save someone who wants to be strung out in, in the streets mm -hmm. and just live their life that way. So when America can get to a point to where our philosophy is, dude, you have a choice, you can do that. You can live on the streets, strung out on heroin, mm -hmm. and I have nothing to say about it because it's your life, it's yeah. your body. However, if you want help to get off, not the government, I will help you. I'll help you get out of the streets, okay? I, my church, my, my organization, whatever, I'll help you. But you have to do it yourself. And if he says, oh, man, just I need some money. Okay, no thanks. And just literally be able to step over that person and not feel guilty about it. Right now, we don't even understand personal responsibility. So what we need to do is not, not, um, it's, it's all about marketing. It, it, we have to do what the progressives did 100 years ago. And that is say, okay, this is our end goal, personal responsibility that everybody is accountable for what they've done in their life. And as long yeah. as you don't steal stuff from others, as long as you don't take away anybody else's rights, I don't care what you do in your life. But move in that direction. We have 30 years of things we agree on. Get, let's get rid of the Department of Education. Let's get rid yeah. of the EPA. Let's get rid of those things. That'll take us 30 years to do before we ever get to, hey, I want heroin you know, in a vending machine at high schools. <laughs> Why are we starting there? Yeah. That you'll never get enough people on board there. Let's start where everybody lives. And while mm -hmm. we're doing that, educate and show how this should be the easiest job on the planet. Look at you. You're not going the conventional way. You didn't you didn't go to CNN, you didn't go to Fox, you didn't well, do that. Well, in fairness, there wasn't an offer. <laughs> no, but you know what? You know what? We were just in we were just in 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 my room with my staff and we were talking about coming and doing this and I said, "If I were younger, if I would have not, you know, I've done radio for 35 yeah. or 40 years. If I didn't do that, mm -hmm. if I were starting today, the last thing I would do is look for a yeah. job in any of this. I wouldn't be going yeah. to C at CNN or Fox and saying, hey, I want to get on. That's the old way. Yeah. Your true power is in the sovereignty of the individual, and technology allows you to do that. It didn't it's amazing in, in my life. Mine either. Right. When I think back to when I was in high school, you know, wanting to go into movies and stuff, I mean, 
I would have killed to have the kind of oh cheap technology available to the average well, kid today. Orson Welles. It's amazing. He, he yeah. could have done it now yeah. and not had any problems. And you take the world by storm. This is the most exciting time, I think, in the yeah. history of mankind because of the opportunities it, um, it presents if we understand and teach ultimate responsibility and sovereignty is with the individual. But that's not going yeah. to be an overnight change. That's going to take us to re... There's some of us that find it self-evident. But if you look at... I think it was a story in the uh, Telegraph. Um, are we good? Okay. Um, if, if you look, there was a story today, I think, in the London Telegraph that was talking about Brexit. And it said the 18 to 34-year-olds, they are freaking out on Brexit. Right. Okay. All the millennials, they right. feel the future's been sold off. Now think of this. Yeah. They don't like it because they don't understand how are we going to fund our schools? How are we going to do the things that we need to do if we don't have Europe on our side? Yeah. Are you kidding me? You understand. You want to you want to you want to fix a car? Go to Instructables. You 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 want to be a yeah. singer? Use YouTube. What do you need government infrastructure for? So they understand it internally, but they've bought into the lies from government. All we have to do is speak to them with heart, speak in their own language, speak in common sense, workable ideas, and they will, they will come to the libertarian point. You look at Bernie Sanders people, they are so ripe for the getting for, yeah. for libertarians. They don't really know. They think that socialism is, you know, a social platform. They don't understand what it even is, most of them. Yeah. We have the opportunity to say, because the libertarianism is where most people live. Yeah. They just don't know it. And then when you say, oh, and by the way, we're never going to go out and get the bad guys. That's what they hear when you say, I'm against foreign wars. Well, you know what? Thomas Jefferson uh, George Washington, uh, John, uh, John Adams, uh, Mason, they all said when it comes to the Barbary pirates and we're paying a quarter of our, of our entire federal budget in bribes, got to pick up a gun. But in that, stop it and then get out of there. People don't hear that anymore. What they hear from a libertarian yeah. is, oh, there's no reason to ever pick up a gun. That's not, right. that's not what some people are saying. The majority of libertarians are saying. They're saying... Let's slow down before we get into everybody's business. We're creating right. a lot of the problems. And even I can agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are times, I mean, why are you for the Second Amendment? Because there are times that you have to shoot somebody to stop them. But that's not usually the case. I agree with you. I think that, yes, we're not, we shouldn't be dying to get into a war anywhere. And we but, shouldn't and be and sticking our nose in other people's business. Right, right. And now, where on Iraq, where did you fall on that one? Was that a case where we were going where we shouldn't have? Yeah, or? I, th I have changed so much since 2001. Really? Um, I thought, this was the plan at least, I thought when we went into Afghanistan, we were going to go in, get the bad guys, and come home. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in this nation-building crap. Um, America, when it uses its power, you, needs to use its power to say, don't ever do that again to us. Don't. And that'll stop a lot of wars by going in and pounding them and then leaving. And, and yeah. by the way, it's not our responsibility to fix you. We're coming in and we're, we're 
we're exacting a price for doing what you did outside of international law. And then we're going home, guys, because your deal is your deal. Um, I thought that's what we were going to do. And especially when we were talking about shock and awe, I didn't see any shock or any awe. What I saw was a long, drawn-out thing that's never going to work. We began to destabilize. Um, when I saw how we were destabilizing the entire region without a plan, that's a really bad thing. And then the reason why people hate us over there is because I don't even know what America stands for anymore. We, we, okay, we don't... We're, how dare you say we would torture? We're just going to pick you up in a ghost plane and take you to one of the prisons in Egypt and they'll torture the hell out of you for us because we're above that. That's crazy. That's called outsourcing. Yes, That's I know. what we do. I know. And we either have to do what we say we... Just yeah. be who you say you are. And if yeah. we are, there's a reason why the painting of George Washington crossing the Delaware... Do you guys know where the original is? I don't. Guess. Independence Hall. Okay. <laughs> I thought the, the original National was. Gallery. I thought the original was in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. That's a copy. The huh. original actually burned in World War II, as really? the Allies. Listen to this. As the Allies blew up and bombed the Museum of Art in Berlin. What? the hell was that doing over it? Yeah. Because that painting was not, it was painted by a German right after <laughs> the Spring of Nations and uh, Engels and Marx in Germany released the Communist Manifesto. A German painter who had been over in America said, guys, that's not the way. America's the way. They put everybody in the boat. There's a woman, there's a black, there's an Indian, there's three presidents in there. They put everybody in the same boat. That's what we should be doing. So that was a message to them, not us. That's not a glorification of us. Interesting. By us. Same I never thing, knew that. Yeah, same thing wow. with the Statue of Liberty. France didn't. When, when are the French people nice? <laughs> and by the way, if you're going to give a present, you know, how about you don't give a giant statue in pieces without instructions and without a base and say, here you go, and leave it in our park. So they, didn't, they weren't doing that for us. They were having the, um, the riots of the communes in the uh, late 1800s, and their guys, their freedom-loving guys, said, how do we talk to people about the answer is America? Leave people alone. Just leave people alone. Yeah. And so they did this fundraiser to build a statue, but it was for France to learn our model. Now, Interesting. at 1900, that's when Theodore Roosevelt says, we have a responsibility to, to lead the way in the world. No, the world was already looking to us and saying, we should be right. more like that. Soon as we said, we're the greatest and we're going to shove it down your throat, we lost the entire world. Yeah. Well, where do you stand then on Syria? When you have free people wanting to have their own self-determination, wanting to stand up to dictators, should America be, if not getting involved, should, should true, we be supportive that, of that, that, of that in, aspiration? I think your hypothesis is wrong. Okay. If that were, in true, it were true, then we wouldn't have the uh, hundreds of thousands of Syrians fleeing their own country. If, if we were right. taken by a dictatorship, 
would all of the men and young men be fleeing this country, trying to go to Canada, trying to go to right. Mexico, or we would, or we would we be holed up someplace, going, "You're going to come through me. I'm taking my country back. You're yeah. evil." Yeah. They're not fighting for their own country. They're running. Yeah. No, thank you. If you're not willing to fight for it, I'm not. That's a good point. <laughs> I'm not. Point. Yeah. I think we should be saving the Christians and the Yazidis and right. those uh, Muslims who are themselves marked for death. I think we should do something to help them. However, with that being said, what we should be doing is going to Saudi Arabia and saying, what the hell are you guys doing? Yeah. you got a giant sp- a tent city that will take a million people for the trip to Mecca. All yeah. air-conditioned tents in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Fill it up, dude. Take care of yeah. your own people. Yeah, the biggest actors in the region sit on their hands yeah. whenever things get hot there. Yeah, I was against, I was against the uh, uh, Egypt. I was against Libya like crazy. I, I, I was telling people they're running guns from Libya to Syria, exactly what they're, they're doing. The, the day Benghazi happened, that didn't sit right. And two days later, I got on the air and said, here's what's happening. They're running he was there trying to get guns. They're running them to Syria because they're going to try to topple Assad. We are causing chaos all over the world and then retreating. Yeah. You, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. The ball keeps bouncing whether yes. you're there or not. Right. Well, before we go then, what worries you about our society these days? Which is a big question to finish yeah, up with. I, I, would, know, say, I would say um, I hope you get a chance to see my speech tonight. Um, I because think I will. Because um, uh, that is my search for an answer. Hmm. The, the, the biggest problem we face right now uh, is us. It's ourselves. When you have the Republicans and the Democrats both coming out this week and offering a form, a, a version, each one, a version of... We have to limit the scope of the first, second, I contend, the third even quartering of soldiers, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and I think seventh amendment of the Constitution, and nine and ten are already out. You got nothing. You got nothing. And we are arguing over nonsense. We are not arguing over principles. They're arguing which one's going to take more rights away. When you have somebody who, like John Lewis, who was an amazing guy in the time of Martin Luther King. Right, think Congressman what, John Lewis. Yeah, think yeah. about what he did. He was standing up and saying, I am willing to die for the rights of others. I'm willing, they have a, they have a right to these and it's in your constitution. And he stood for it, bravely, hero. That same guy is now doing a sit-in and saying, I'm sitting here because I'm willing to sacrifice with catered lunches. I'm <laughs> yeah. willing to sacrifice to take away people's rights. Yeah. It's a joke and wildly dangerous. Yeah. Well, Glenn Beck, thank you so much That's for great. joining me. And thank congratulations you. on all the success with The Blaze. And I can't wait to see what you do next with it. Thank you. Thank you. God <laughs> Thanks. bless. Thanks again to Glenn Beck for coming on the show and being so generous with his time. 
We were originally supposed to just go for 10 minutes, but he let us talk for a half hour and cover a whole lot more territory, so I really appreciate that. And if you enjoyed today's episode, then check out theblaze.com. There's a ton of great content on there from podcasts and radio shows to opinion and news. And while you're there, consider subscribing to The Blaze TV. For $9.95 a month or $9.95 a year, you'll get unlimited access to a whole lineup of television shows, including Glenn Beck's daily television show, plus programs with other conservative pundits and heavy hitters on the right, like my previous guest, Dana Lash, and Tommy Lauren. You can even get a free 14-day trial at theblaze.com. Glenn Beck's best-selling books are available on Amazon, or you can download the audio versions of his books for free through that special trial offer just for our listeners at audibletrial.com backslash kickasspolitics. You can follow Glenn on Twitter at at Glenn Beck, and of course that's Glenn with two N's, and you can find out more about what Glenn's up to, including dates for his live shows, and which of your local radio stations carry the Glenn Beck program at glennbeck.com. Please subscribe to Kick-Ass Politics on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. And you can also help us reach our fundraising goal for the year and get rewarded by donating to our Patreon campaign at patreon.com backslash kickasspolitics. Follow us on Twitter at at kapolitics or visit Kick-Ass Politics on Facebook. And while you're there, recommend Kick-Ass Politics to your friends on your social media. And as always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickasspolitics.com. But for now, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass Politics. Kick-Ass Politics is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.